Welcome to Cleveland Clinic Cardiac Consult, brought to you by the Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart, Vascular, and Thoracic Institute at Cleveland Clinic. Hi, I'm Dr. Paul Kremer. I'm a cardiovascular imager here at the Cleveland Clinic. And it's my pleasure to be here today with Dr. Heba Wasif, um, who will be the director, uh, is the director of our Center for Cardio-Rheumatology and Immunology. And uh, Heba, I really like uh, this idea, um, this uh, need that's clearly there for the patients, and specifically how it kind of relates to a couple domains. The, the cardio-rheumatology patients who have a systemic autoimmune disease that's involving the heart or the vascular structures, um, and also the cardioimmunology patients who may have a primary cardiac problem, but is also related to uh, immune dysregulation. So maybe tell me a little bit about your thoughts in terms of cardiovascular disease uh, complications uh, in patients who have underlying systemic autoimmune disease or rheumatologic diseases. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much um, for uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about cardiorheumatology, which is an evolving field. I mean, we've known about some of the aspects of cardiorheumatology have been known for a while, but it still remains there, there are many manifestations of rheumatologic disorder and cardiovascular disease. It ranges from coronary artery disease um, to valve disease, to pericardial disease, to heart failure. And, and what is not recognized is this increased cardiovascular risk in this population. And we're talking about them more as a unified population, but at the same time, they're not a unified population. Each group of patients, whether you're talking about the rheumatoid arthritis, lupus uh, erythematosus, ankylosing spondylitis, uh, dermatomyositis, each is a unique disorder with unique treatments, which we as a group don't quite understand the whole ramifications and the manifestations and their outcomes over mm -hmm. a long period mm -hmm. of time. But we, what we do know very well is that patients with connective tissue disorders or autoimmune disorders have a heightened risk for cardiovascular disease. Um, the risk for patients with rheumatoid arthritis is compared to the general population is 50% more, mm. or what you would say, double the risk. For lupus, it's even higher, mm -hmm. almost mm -hmm. three folds. Some studies have set up to 19 folds. Same similar story with ankylosing spondylitis. Um, so what is kind of very interesting is that this information that we think is, 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 is common knowledge, it's not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and neither for the patients nor for the providers. And when um, there was a survey that was published a few years ago, and, and they tried to understand, do patients actually understand the risk? And 70 to 90% of them did not were not aware that there was a, a correlation between their connective tissue disorder or rheumatologic disorder and the coronary artery disease. And when physicians and were asked, and these are general practitioners, uh, and uh, <clears throat> were asked about the relation between cardiovascular disease and, and rheumatic disorders, less than 40% were aware of that risk, and 15% of them were able to initiate a conversation and actually refer a patient. So there is a lot of educational gap mm -hmm. that's out there. And, and you highlighted the increased cardiovascular risk with rheumatoid arthritis being essentially double and, and, and even higher for, for, for diseases like lupus. Um, 
is this all coronary artery disease or, or maybe touch a little bit upon uh, other cardiovascular issues that, that you tend to see and, 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 and think of in, in these patients that also may get underdiagnosed and undertreated? Absolutely. So it, it affects the valves. It affects the, the myocardium. Uh, it affects the pericardium. And I will have you talk a little bit about <laughs> that later on. Um, with the valve, there there is some prevalence of valvular disease, particularly in the lupus patients, mm -hmm. um, where they have mostly regurgitant um, um, dis disorders, a higher uh, prevalence of mitral regurgitation and aortic regurgitation compared to non-lupus patients. Um, in rheumatoid arthritis, it's not all that clear and how significant it is. It's mm -hmm. still not very clear because most of the studies are very small. So you will find numbers from... 30% to 90%, which in my mind doesn't mean a whole lot. It just means like we don't know because the the, the numbers are very uh, small of these cohorts. Um, but it also involves this inflammation affects the myocardium. Mm -hmm. And patients both with rheumatoid and lupus have a higher incidence compared to the non-lupus and non-rheumatoid arthritis patients of heart failure. And this is a... a um, a correlation that is under uh, recognized. Excellent. Yeah. So it's certainly the coronary atherosclerosis is there as a risk, um, but also as you touched upon the valvulitis with lupus. And I would say, you know, as our demographics have shifted in terms of the patients we see with valvulitis, it's tends tending to be less rheumatic heart disease and actually more valvulitis from from lupus that, that yeah. we're that we're seeing in our in our practices. Um, and then you also touched upon the myopathies that we see in these patients as well. Exactly. And then, of course, there are mirantic endocarditis, which is very right. unique to, to lupus, which is a very difficult uh, condition to manage. Uh, and these patients would require valve replacements and later follow-up. And, and again, their outcomes are still unclear. Do they, how often do they need repeat um, surgery or so forth? So there's, there's again, another educational gap. Yeah, and I, and I agree. And, and it's a good point you brought up about the patients with Morantic endocarditis, they're often very difficult uh, to manage and, and difficult decision-making that really needs to be in a team-based approach because um, they are at such often such thrombotic risk. I mean, Absolutely. these are patients who've had thrombotic complications before and are at risk for having them in the future. So you have to be very careful in terms of choice of valve selection, how you manage their, their anticoagulation and how you think of them really in, in, the, in the decades to come. Exactly, and these are usually younger patients and it's very difficult in terms of valve choice, as you said, like what do, what do you do with these patients? Excellent, and, and maybe touch a little bit upon, you know, now there's, there's so many new drugs in rheumatology mm -hmm. and, and it's hard for us as, as cardiologists to <laughs> kind of keep, keep track of it all. Um, and it's similar to cardio-oncology where you really need um, uh, experts who, who understand the therapies and understand the, the side effects of the therapies. Um, and, and potential any, any cardiovascular complications. Any, any thoughts on that? I, I, I think that that's one of the main reasons why developing these very specialized domains within cardiology is important. You touched upon the cardio-oncology and how developing expertise in that has improved patient care. And I also think that developing you know, specialized care in cardiomatology will also improve care because of the evolving field. Uh, for even from, from the rheumatologic standpoint. But surprisingly, an older drug like methotrexate, mm -hmm. that drug that has been around for, for decades, has been the drug that has been associated with reducing cardiovascular risk in many mm -hmm. of these mm -hmm. uh, patients, where as it had no impact in patients 
who have cardiovascular disease but don't have rheumatologic right. disorders. So I find this um, dichotomy very, very fascinating, so to say. But again, it's probably the what these what these drugs do to inflammation and suppressing the inflammation is probably what improves their cardiovascular outcome. Because as we all know, the, how the Im impact of inflammation is on cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And with these the, the drugs, that how effective they are in suppressing the inflammation, they will alter cardiovascular outcomes. Excellent. And I think, you know, you touched upon an important point, which is, uh, which we also mentioned earlier, is just the importance of team-based care for these patients. Mm -hmm. You know, um, co-management with the rheumatologist, um, understanding the therapies, um, understanding their efficacy, uh, and their side effects as well, and the necessary uh, long-term and lifetime management uh, of, of often people who have very um, debilitating disease. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So now I throw it back to you. Tell us a little bit more about what you do with the pericardial patients. Yeah, so I mean, I think, you know, when we think about the immune system in cardiovascular disease, uh, we have what we were just talking about, which is people who have a systemic autoimmune disease and get cardiovascular involvement. Um, the lupus patients, which you mentioned, I have to say some of our most challenging lupus patients are the lupus pericarditis patients. And that is where you have to work uh, really closely with the rheumatologist um, and, and follow these patients uh, really vigilantly to try and control their pericarditis symptoms, which are often, often debilitating. Um, but then there's often patients who have immune dis dysregulation, but it's primarily involving the heart. So that can be patients with, with what we've called idiopathic pericarditis, which we now think of as uh, auto-inflammatory pericarditis. Um, and we have a lot of, of, of new therapies for these patients. Um, the interleukin-1 antagonist in, in particular have been a, a game changer um, and have really allowed us to, to get patients off of uh, chronic steroids. And this is similar to what the rheumatologists have done for decades now, is really look for steroid-sparing therapies. Um, so recurrent or chronic pericarditis where patients are steroid-dependent, I mean, now we really have uh, good therapies to, to get patients off of the steroids and long-term adverse events associated with that. But beyond the pericardium, um, you talked about uh, myopathies as well. I mean, there's inflammatory cardiomyopathies. I mean, there's uh, a, a lot that we're still learning about the management of, of sarcoid patients. Uh, again, you know, early steroid-sparing therapies and how to, to manage those patients based on serial imaging uh, evaluations. Um, but there's also patients, and this is maybe getting more into the cardio-rheumatology space, who have uh, aortitis, you know, so, 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 you know, who have giant cell arteritis, um, who, who, who are on, on chronic therapy. Um, and then finally, there's, you know, some patients with, with, with coronary atherosclerosis who don't have, auto, you know, an autoimmune disease, but clearly the inflammation is contributing to that. And we're involved in studies looking at targeting the innate immune system to improve outcomes uh, in patients with coronary disease and, and acute coronary syndromes. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that, that, that cardiorheumatology and immunology really affects all aspects uh, of the cardio cardiovascular system. Um, and I think this is really uh, uh, unmet and underdeveloped need uh, for our patients. I 100% agree with you. And I think, develop, again, developing a, a specialized group of, of um, cardiologists that are involved in care of these patients will also lead to improvement in, the, in their care and understanding their outcomes. Absolutely. 
Well, again, thanks so much for, Thank for, for taking the time and, and letting us know a little bit more uh, about this center and, and really the, the, the range of, of, of diagnoses um, and uh, patients that, that can be seen here. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen at clevelandclinic.org slash cardiac consult podcast.